Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing resiliency versus victim mentality, Patreon pay it forward and a brand new goal. y'all. I hope you are enjoying spring wherever you are. We've certainly had some lovely weather and I've been loving it and getting into the sunshine. I wanted to do this episode because I had a, such a good time doing the last live stream Q&A on our Patreon. The last topic was refusing victim mentality. I love y'all at Patreon. Y'all really ask the questions that I think pull the best information out of me. So I appreciate how we come together to create healing content. That's what we're doing over there at Patreon. And from the energy of refusing victim mentality for our April live stream Q&A, I chose the next Patreon pay it forward. And I don't think I say it here enough, but a full 10% of what we pull in at Patreon, we pay it forward. So every few months, I pick an organization or an individual, just something that stirs my heart, something that seems right. I'm already getting choked up. And I came across, as we do on the internet, right? I came across a lady named Carly Bird, B-U-R-D. Now, she has started something. It's called A Meal on Me with Love. Isn't that the nicest, sweetest little thing you've ever heard? A meal on me with love. She has MS. She has lupus. These are things that very much affect her body and her energy. And yet embodying the very anti-victim mentality that I try to talk to y'all about and encourage, she created a community garden. And that community garden has served hundreds of people. And in the way that bad things can happen to good people, somebody very viciously salted her garden. I saw a video of her melting down in tears. All of her hard work 
absolutely ruined, even the dirt ruined. So I immediately knew that's it. That's her. Our Patreon pay it forward is going to her. So together with all of you at Patreon, I had to convert it into pounds because she is across the pond doing that good work. We haven't yet sent any of our Patreon pay it forward money across the pond. And I'm happy to do that. I'm excited to do that because I know we actually have a lot of listeners over on that side. So hello, hello. How are you? And happy with this worldwide community to throw some support your way to Miss Carly Bird. I hope that you guys like that pick. Last time we did a little vote for the pick and it was an organization and I'm really proud to be able to throw that her way towards an individual who is just doing her part to be good in the world. There is such a butterfly effect when we lean in and just do what our hearts call us to do. When we study the elderly, what we find is that people who really maintain purpose throughout life have lower depression levels. Doesn't that just feel right when you hear it? So sometimes despite all the nastiness, all the low vibes that are out there in the world, we can just lean in not just to ourselves and our personal power to make waves in the butterfly effect to affect so much further and beyond our own little circles. We may never even know the effects like Miss Carly Bird affecting me, getting me emotional all the way on this microphone so far away, miles and miles and miles and oceans away. None of us get through this life alone and we have so much more power together. So wherever you are, I just want to take a little moment for us to center and take a deep breath together. Loneliness, sadness, disillusionment with the way that things work, disappointment in the way that things work is rampant. It's fueling our anxieties and fueling our depressions and fueling what this episode is ultimately about, our victim mentality. As I move through this episode, I want you to know that no matter what has happened in your life, even the wrongest of wrong things that can happen, like what happened to Miss Carly Bird, we have so much power to lean into what's good, to collectively lift each other up, and to really make good. I am increasingly fascinated by phrases like making peace, taking time, making good. We make these things happen. These are empowered actions, empowered messages, empowered, powerful ways to be in the world. And you know what depression and anxiety hate? Empowerment. They wither. They shrink. They disintegrate when we find purpose and empowerment. I want to take this moment to talk to you a little bit about what we have going on on Patreon. We have a new goal. And I don't know if this will happen or not, but I'm sure going to shoot for the moon. If we can get the Patreon to 350 people, less than a quarter of a percent of our listenership, then I'm offering everyone who's a Patreon supporter of the show access to my first ever Cinema Soul Care event where we're going to get together on a Friday night. I'm going to have some journal prompts and a bit of existential exercise for you to do for the movie that I've chosen. And it's an easy and fun, light way to come together, to have some entertainment, to have a Friday night, and to also learn and grow. I call this cinema soul care 
because this is part of how we learn. Yes, movies are made up. They're not real, but they're based on real human dynamics. And there's a lot of safety, a lot of ease in sitting back, that energy of popping popcorn and just allowing humanity to play out in front of us. Working with me, if you can't tell already, if you haven't done the boundaries course or you haven't been a previous participant in our Patreon, working with me is a bit like listening to each episode. It's a bit of a leap of faith. It's a bit of maybe like Forrest Gump and his box of chocolates. It's like, yeah, you know you're going to get some chocolates. You know you're going to get some healing when you show up with me. You're going to connect some dots. But you might not know exactly what you're going to get till you get there. And I think that's a very important parallel for this life. So often when we struggle with some depression, some anxiety, some low self-esteem and low self-worth, what we tend to want on a subconscious and a conscious way is more control, more knowing. We want to know all the ins and outs before we do anything. And that makes sense. It's reasonable. But also there's so much that this life calls us to that we can't know ahead of time. So there are muscles that we develop and there are lots of ways to use my work, to use this show, to jump in and use the Patreon at your convenience to help you strengthen muscles that maybe you didn't even know that you had. Have you ever had that experience physically? I know I have. Or after some kind of brand new yoga teacher or a different kind of thing that I try, it's like, my goodness, I have worked some muscles I didn't even know were there. I'm highly aware that that's part of what I do in my work with people is help you flex and strengthen the parts of yourself that you might not even know would benefit from strengthening. I've spent my entire career trying to figure out how to articulate what I actually do for a living. And I think the simplest way is I offer healing in the form of you becoming your own authority figure and letting go of what no longer serves So we are trying to hit 350 patrons in our Patreon by the end of July. And if we do, we're going to have our first Cinema Soul Care for free for everybody that's there. So light and love and thank you to any of you who share or come join and help us meet that goal. The last live stream on refusing victim mentality, it was honestly one of my favorites And maybe I say that too often because each one gives me energy of being a new favorite. It's one of the great struggles of modern life that as human beings, to be able to survive across time as a human species, our brains developed to be more aware of potential problem than solution. That's what survival mode is. And for a very long time in the human condition, we were surviving We were not thriving. And even within elements of thriving, I think it's fair for me to say that the best in the human condition still survives a lot of moments of this modern life. So the fact that our brains developed to be more aware of potential problem than potential goodness or potential solution or potential ease sets up for some interesting sticky spots as we heal and grow and try to cultivate a really good life, whatever that means to each one of us. For survival, this was awesome. This is how we got all the way to here. 
But for our daily moods and our outlooks on life, that survival mode makes everything look like a war zone. It looks bleak and it feels bleak. Everything about mindfulness, mindfulness strategies, work with this reality of how our brains developed over time. Mindfulness is there to help us notice that process, pull back and retrain, offer our brains a different path. We want to strengthen our mental muscles to look for what is more useful in the modern experience in terms of thoughts and behaviors than what is unuseful and full of survivalship. Because in this modern life, thankfully, some may argue otherwise, but in this modern life, it really is safer in terms of direct threats. Like most of us are living pretty confidently that a bear or a tiger is not about to maul us like in caveman days. Most of us who have homes and clothing, maybe even if we're living out of a car, we probably have enough to not freeze to death during winter. So we have really upped our thriving, even if on the individual basis, we are battling some personal demons or personal experiences or traumas that can kick off that survival mode inside of our bodies. We don't need so much ready to fight or flight like we did when we used to live in caves. If we had a difficult childhood, fingers crossed that grown-up you is making healthier and healthier decisions as you learn what healthier and healthier decisions are so that you're showing your inner child, you're showing your inner psychology, hey, childhood might have been rough, but I'm making it smoother and smoother and smoother and smoother. Even when it's hard, I am doing that for us. That becomes its own act of self-love and self-care, soul care, if you will. We don't want to have this fight or flight come over our physicality as a survival mode that washes over us all those stress hormones that flood our bodies because of modern uncomfortableness, emotional uncomfortableness, maybe financial challenge or things like taxes or difference of opinion or something's just not going our way. There's a lot that I've been seeing and there's more and more research coming out every day about what social media is actually doing to us. And part of what's coming out is that social media and colleges, believe it or not, for the past few years have basically been stoking the fires of victim mentality for a variety of reasons that I'm not going to go into here, though I might talk about on other episodes. Trigger warnings are a great example of part of the slippery slope that has grown victim culture. And that has come out of colleges in the last decade or decade and a half. Trigger warnings at face value. Sound and look so compassionate and reasonable. I mean, it's just a little bitty old trigger warning, just a couple of words, just a little heads up to help people who have anxiety or were traumatized. It sounds so simple and reasonable, just such an easy offering, doesn't it? It's very easy to slide into, well, of course we should all offer this. If only human beings received things at face value and didn't have a subconscious part of their mind 
in play constantly, that also plays with our human ego. Because what's great in theory and at face value or on the surface can become twisted when it influences our subconscious mind, when it plays with our human egos and our human egos and our subconscious dance a constant dance. Trigger warnings give the subconscious the message or the impression combined with the ego that because some say trigger warnings are right and some will give that to me, then I'm starting to feel entitled to get them. I want to get them everywhere I go. I feel very deserving to get that trigger warning. I'm going to shoot all over the place. The world should do that for me because this is hard for me. We can see how this then creates accidentally from this intention of kindness and consideration and care, a victim mentality. Because if I'm entitled to this type of care and consideration, then it's easy to develop that I need this trigger warning to be okay in the world. And that's an irrational belief because we don't need that. We might want it, but we don't need it. We need very few things which is increasingly hard to remember as a human being in this age of abundance and consumerism. But if I feel entitled, if that's what develops inside of me, I feel entitled to receive this from other people, this trigger warning. And my ego is grabbing that entitlement and stoking it. And my mind decides that this is what I need to be okay. Then I'm creating my own process of feeling hurt and feeling victimized each time I don't get what my ego and subconscious mind have now decided I want. I am now the victim of you not participating in my irrational belief that the world should do this for me. The world needs to coddle me in what makes me comfortable. This demand for comfort actually becomes a victim mentality. I wish that wasn't true. This idea that life is supposed to be comfortable fair, reasonable, it backfires so hard. And lots of trauma survivors try to subconsciously deal with their own childhood struggles by giving their children an idealized childhood. A lot of people wind up growing up thinking that is right, to really give this idealized childhood to their children, which sets their children up for more irrational beliefs and expectations in the world which has the propensity to create more victim mentality. And y'all, I am so sorry. This life, this one precious life that I talk about on this microphone so often, it has so much good in it. But it also has so much bad. It really does. Life is never going to give us some kind of overarching comfort for a season, for a year, for a decade, We just don't have that available in this human life. And that has been true since the beginning of our humanity. There's a certain amount of struggle that has been associated with the human condition always. And struggle isn't always bad, even when it's uncomfortable. We know that our muscles and our bodies, our bones need struggle. That's why people lift weights to grow them. So there's a relationship that we can understand about struggle instead of trying to cultivate 
almost a demanding sense of comfort. In large part, this influenced why I developed a training in peace. Because we need to deal with the realities of this world. And better coping strategies help us maximize, find, lean into more comfort than really what we know how to do naturally because of some of that brain stuff I talked about earlier, just how we've developed as people over time. Life is inherently uncomfortable, unpredictable, and uncontrollable externally. The most control we can have in this life is over ourselves, our minds, our bodies, even if that doesn't feel true to you right now, I promise you it is. I know this intimately because for so long I didn't feel that I had control over my own body or mind as an effect of my trauma. I had a lot of dissociation and a lot of depersonalization. So the feeling of that is very, very true. But functionally, you can heal yourself out of feeling that uncontrolled or that out of control. And you can have more control over your system. That is what good healing brings to us. Not perfect control, but more of a sense of control over our experience, over our responses, over our reactions, over our choices so that we can choose with more wisdom instead of reactivity. Trauma work helps embody and teach this to a survivor who in all ways was taught life is about surviving, so I better survive and I better survive. But as we get to safer and safer footing, that survivorship no longer fits our experience. It's a very strange thing to consider or to hear me say for the very first time that a human being, especially one that had a rough upbringing, has the opportunity to practice and teach himself or herself peace, ease, grounded centeredness, control over the self instead of control over the external world or people that we come across in this lifetime. Too much comfort, just like too much sitting, it kind of makes us soft. It makes us out of shape. That's the phrase. It makes certain areas in our bodies physically weaker in our musculature. So too much comfort, even if it was available and even if we got it and felt like we won some kind of comfort lottery, it doesn't really pay off the way that we idealize it will. It tends to make us more emotionally fragile. Ooh, a phrase I don't even like saying. It tends to make us shapeless. We have that phrase spineless. And a lot of highly sensitive people will admit to me that they struggle feeling like a doormat in the world. Victim mentality makes us more doormatty, not stronger. We do better in this life when we grow muscles for this life. The world and the people in it cannot offer enough trigger warnings to eliminate discomfort or to eliminate traumatized people from getting triggered. And people who truly get triggered in terms of their nervous system, a clinical diagnosis of getting triggered, instead of using that as a buzzword, like, oh, that was so hard for me, I got triggered. But people who really get triggered understand this because the triggers are far and wide. As a sexual abuse survivor, 
from my childhood, I can tell you, sometimes those triggers are very tricky to figure out. Sometimes it's in the pattern or the texture of the shirt of your abuser. And here you are at the grocery store and some random person has that same texture. It's hard to even consciously understand what frightened the body in that moment. So we're not going to get trigger warnings about a pattern in a shirt, about somebody's mustache or hair color or the smell of their perfume. It's impossible. I actually teach a lesson each year in the boundaries course on leaning into triggers, flip-flopping what has become popular in the trigger conversation about avoiding them always. And I offer new thoughts, a new lens, a new resiliency and coping strategies, because when we lean into triggers, I don't mean just throwing somebody who doesn't have coping skills and saying, hey, lean into your triggers, just keep getting re-triggered. That's not what I'm saying. But through nuanced coping strategy, real self-love, not bubble baths, but really guiding yourself towards what is healthy and away from what is not with integrity and commitment like we would for a small child that was in our care. When you learn how to artfully lean in to those triggers, that's ultimately how we desensitize ourselves to those triggers. And guess what happens at that point? At that point, that trigger no longer triggers. At that point, that pattern in that shirt just becomes some random pattern that doesn't freak my body out, that doesn't make my nervous system scream fight or flight. This is how we take our power back from those lingering triggers from any abuse. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Now, no one ever suggested trigger warnings to create fragility or instability or anti-resiliency in the human condition, but here we are. Living out that old phrase, loved by old Catholics I've known, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. From that good intended, accidentally born fragility, it can seem as if the world is out there to get us. That everything that happens politically, everything that happens in the news is just against us in some way, shape, or form. And that turns into a framework over time. It becomes a lens This is how victim mentality gets reinforced in a personality as a lifestyle. And that just brings more fragility. And then more fragility creates more victim mentality. And that creates more fragility and then more victim mentality. And it just cycles. This is how we create martyrdom. This is how we create a smaller life where we pull back from purpose because we're pulling back from empowerment and we don't even know it. There's no room for empowerment 
within that victim mentality. This is part of why I'm so against it. And I hope the two examples that I'm going to give you, they're big examples. I hope they're going to help you spot this victim mentality in your life and eradicate it like weeds from a garden. Here are two big examples of how to reframe from victim mentality to resiliency. And I'm going to post on Patreon to see how you choose to reframe what you find as victim mentality inside of yourself. Because I hope this episode helps you notice it. Because in little ways, I believe it's kind of in all of us. Because it's been in the atmosphere, it's been in the news, it's been in our politics. I can see it in publications, psychological publications that I didn't used to see that in. I promise you that that victim mentality, it will not serve you. It's like a fruit withering on the vine. Please don't do that to your life. There's a quality to victim mentality that the ego likes, so it grips it. Pry that grip open and let that go. Here's the first one. And it's going to sound so overly simple because I know you've probably said this to yourself umpteen billion trillion million times, but it's hard. Ew, do you feel that? We've all done that one, right? But it's hard, but it's so hard. Yeah, I know that's what I need to do, but it's so hard. This has got to be the most common victim mentality comment known to mankind right here. How much life force have you given to this little itty bitty old sentence? But it's so hard. Can you hear? And more importantly, can you feel? How there's nowhere to go with that? It's like our inner child crosses his or her arms over the chest, huffs and puffs, and sits on the ground in protest and pout. But it's too hard. We can empathize with ourselves and others. Life invites us to throw our hands up and give up and give in and beat our fists on the ground a lot. And yep, like a tantrum. Because the thought but it's too hard, comes for many of us from being overwhelmed without enough help in our childhood or enough direction or enough care or consideration or concern or guidance. And so without any guidance to help us learn how to overcome obstacles and keep going until we figure it out, it unfortunately becomes easier to learn to pout and give up in frustration and overwhelm. Now that's the inner child part. If I raise the age of this a little bit psychologically, I think many of you will recognize this in yourself or someone you've known. The adolescent part in us doesn't so much pout like that little kid in us. But that adolescent part, when it grabs victim mentality, when it says, but it's too hard, that adolescent shows up with a, it's so cool to not care about anything at all. My cool girl or, or my cool boy persona is that I just give up. Why try with anything? So I hope you can hear that in the human condition that we have that little kid pout available to us. And we also have that older, more eye rolling. It's so cool to not care and do as little as possible. I'm not even going to try. Gosh, I can so clearly picture an adolescent awkwardly smoking a cigarette, leaning against a building trying to look cool and nonchalant, just how cool their non-caring life strategy is. It's like, what's the point? 
So we have these parts that really sort of crave. It's like how we crave sugar. These parts sort of crave victim mentality and we really need to learn how to limit that. So what do we do when we catch ourselves going, it's too hard, whether we're in the little kid poutiness or the older, more adolescent middle finger energy of I don't want to try with anything. First, and this sounds overly simple, but we learn to acknowledge the feeling and be in the feeling and keep our thoughts just with that feeling. I'm just overwhelmed. I just don't like this. This is uncomfortable. This is how we start to feel the feelings, which is very different than letting the feel of the feelings create a victim story. This is what most of us do. This is what is unfortunately normalized in our society because we haven't done a great job, in my opinion, teaching human beings how to be with emotion. Probably because if we have been surviving since the beginning of time, there probably wasn't time to sit and process it because you're surviving. So here we are. We want to get out of this survival mode. We want to get out of this victim mentality. So we learn to acknowledge the feelings without creating a story. What's wrong with me? Why does this always happen to me? It's always me. The world is against me. That's the story that just makes the victim mentality bigger. And then if you're ever to get out of it, you have more that you have to wade through to get out of. So acknowledge and then coach yourself. Say to yourself, I'm going to take a deep breath and then do it. Go ahead. Let's try it right now together. Feel that? I can take a breath right now. I can also bite off what I can chew. Notice the difference. Between saying these things versus, but it's so hard. Notice that this gives you somewhere to go versus practicing powerless stuckness because it's hard. Here's another reframe. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. Let me sit in that for a few minutes. We learn to do so. And then we offer ourselves this message. It's time to shift. This is very important. Very important. If we have what I'll say for the sake of ease, proper parenting, a parent's going to see when we get overwhelmed, absolutely frustrated, they're going to offer us just a little bit of help so we can get over that hump and keep going. Or they might say, you know what, that's enough for right now. I want you to go have lunch, go outside and play and come back to this later. Sometimes you just need to step away and then come back. When we get that type of parenting, we have internalized without even realizing it When it's a good, smart time to shift, to not try to think about something. This is also part of why so many highly sensitive people and survivors are overthinkers. Because in emotional neglect or physical neglect, we were left just to think when we really needed guidance out of our heads and into useful, appropriate, reasonable, age-appropriate action. Resiliency comes from a place of practiced belief that I can do what I can do no matter what is in my way, no matter what barriers or obstacles, one thing at a time. This is empowered messaging to create empowered action. And that creates empowered resiliency. And this is the opposite of victim mentality. Here's the second example I have for you. And it's a big one from my life. 
Here's the message. Check in with yourself the moment you hear me say it and notice what you feel. But I shouldn't have to. But it's not right. I shouldn't have to. To me, the difference between childhood and adulthood has got to be in our ability to change our circumstances to the best of that ability. That as a child, we really are truly stuck where we are. As an adult, we have the power and the opportunity and the possibility to change our circumstances. And not to our exact ideal, not to perfectionism, and with no guarantee of ease. We all know in our heads, if I gave a quiz, I think everybody would get 100 on the quiz if the only question was, hey, do you know that life is unfair? Believe it or not, a lot of victim mentality is often correct, like on an idea of, hey, this is unfair. My example for you that I'm sharing today is that after my dad was arrested, after that initial arrest, that initial day at the police department. I have no idea how many times my dad, my abuser, jerked me and the other victims around. It's somewhere up there in in the 20s of how many times I had to go to the courthouse or the police station or the DA's office, canceling work shifts when I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I would stew on I shouldn't have to to hurt my own bank account, to put my abuser away. I shouldn't have to feel desperate about my life to get this abuser into prison. I shouldn't be the one getting jerked around because what would happen is I'd show up and then my dad would change his mind over and over and over again for almost three full years. He played games by saying he was ready to plead guilty and me and the other abusers would show up ready to have some finality, to be able to move on. And we'd get there and he'd go, oh, I changed my mind. I lost it many times with the victim's advocates and the DAs. I said some choice words about the victim's bill of rights being lots of bad words I'm not going to say so that we don't have to change our rating for the show. And I don't believe I was wrong. Not then and not to this day. In the simple way that most things are gray, but some things are black and white. Like this was a black and white thing. I 100% should not have been put through that. No crime victim should. You see, I was and I am right about this. No one would argue that. People with victim mentality are often very right. And they have the right to be right about what they are right about. I was and I am right about this experience, about I should not have had to have had this experience, any of them. The question is, at a point, do we want to be right or do we want to find peace? Do we want to anger ourselves towards insanity or do we want to let go and cultivate peace? So what's the reframe here to resiliency? Again, the trick is learning to sit with the feelings. I had to sit with feelings of betrayal. I had to sit with feelings of frustration and deep, I mean the deepest disappointment. Because even the court process that I sought out to help me put me in a place of hurting me again and again, a deep, deep unfairness. We have to learn sometimes how to sit 
with the reality of I was and I am being victimized. We learn to acknowledge this is a very important step and something that rarely happens in very dysfunctional homes. Acknowledgement. It's an easy thing in the human experience to discount, to want to throw away. It's very important for the sake of our sanity, for the sake of reality, to acknowledge what is going on. This is a first step and a permission to feel. We must learn to acknowledge when we've been victimized. We just can't buy property in the victimhood. We must understand that we acknowledge and then we move through. Or victim mentality can set into our minds and bodies like I've seen termites eat old southern wooden homes to dust. You see personal responsibility and resiliency when we know the powers of them. And then we choose personal responsibility and resiliency. They take us out of that victim neighborhood that no one has ever driven through intentionally. The reframe with language is, yes, this was all kinds of wrong. But what's right is me no longer being affected by this. What's right is me letting this go. What's right is me moving forward. And there is a process when we have been deeply victimized. With little slights, it may be easier to let go of once or twice or three times and move on into the day and into the week and it's gone. With deep betrayals and pain, we actively let go again and again and again and again and again. And we let go because if not, it's as if we're gripping it in our hands. And how do we move forward and pick up a hammer to build our lives if our hands are holding resentments and pain and righteousness? Letting go is part of learning to love ourselves properly, y'all. When we let go, our hands are free to pick different things up so that we can find our purpose picking things up, putting things down, having different experiences than pain. So we can be right. I was right. But now I get to be light. If you want to listen and learn from the Refusing Victim Mentality live stream Q&A, come and get it. It is archived. It is waiting for you right now. The next topics in coming months for May, we have loneliness and emotional well-being. June, regret and disappointment. And July, for my birthday month, age and healing. And I am open to any and all questions about your story and mine, anything that sparks the conversation so that we can talk about these things in a deep, feeling, resonant way so that we can let go of what no longer serves us and grab on to what does. If you were interested in helping us hit that goal, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, help us hit 350 people. It is a teeny tiny fraction of those of you who are listening to my voice right now. Come hang out and learn and grow. And look, I mean it when I say, use me and this show in the ways that you need to grow. Some of you need to learn how to give and then take. Come and then go. It is perfectly fine to come into the Patreon, hang out, and then leave. And then if you want, you can come back again. You get to do in this life, not just with me and my stuff, with all of life's experience. When you use it to help you grow in the ways that can make you stronger, 
can get you to more peace, more well-being, more fulfillment. You were honoring this one precious life no matter what has happened to you. Look in the show notes to find Carly Bird's GoFundMe if you would like to support her in her program, A Meal on Me with Love by Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, Bird, B-U-R-D. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love. And I will see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Bye-bye. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a mindful moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.